Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 66 of the Modern Classroom Project podcast. My name is Tony Rose Deanna, and she, her pronouns, a program manager at MCP, and I am joined by an incredible trailblazer today who is leading the MCP movement in his district, Michael Molnar. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm just as excited. Um, how are you feeling today? Um, I'm I'm feeling good. I'm a little... Uh... A little nervous here. This is a new thing for me, so but I'm very excited about this, and I love, I love talking about Lynn, and I love talking about modern classrooms. So this is going to be an exciting time. Yes, and you know I'm just so excited that you said yes to the podcast. It is a little bit tricky, especially in December. Our our schedules are really full, and so I really appreciate you taking this time to have this conversation with us because I do think that it's a really important conversation. Oh gosh, well thank you. Yeah, yeah. And so like, we had a nice break from school last week. So I hope you had some time to relax, rest, rejuvenate, all of that good stuff to kind of finish out the year in a strong foot, right? Like, so hopefully that was that was good for you. Um, okay, so before we get started, tell us more about who you are and how you started your MCP journey. So my name is Michael Molnar. And I have been, um, I started working in Lynn as an ESL teacher uh, 20 some odd years ago. And over the course of my time there, I've had a bunch of different positions. Um, a lot of them wrapped around professional learning and professional development for teachers. One of the things that we faced um, in spring of 2020, when COVID hit and the world shut down, we were suddenly scrambling, trying to figure out how we were going to uh, respond to our students, what we were going to do. And it, it was a very difficult time, very confusing time for us. We had heard all of this different new terminology to us in terms of blended learning and flipped learning and remote learning and all these different things and, and just trying to wrap our heads around it. And I ended up coming across um, one of my favorite podcasts is Cult of Pedagogy. I, I love that podcast and happened across Kareem's podcast that he did on screencasts. And I thought, well, let me listen to this. So this sounds like it'd be interesting. So that was my introduction. I just happened upon it and I, it, it was incredible. I just started digging deeper, watching the video that came out from Edutopia and then exploring the website and then just started talking about this with anybody and everybody who would listen that we've got some good stuff here that we need to be paying attention to. There's, there's some things that really resonate with where we are and where we need to go. Um, so that was, that was when I first encountered um, Modern Classroom. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Jennifer Gonzalez. So it's really nice to hear that we also have a huge following of Cult of Pedagogy fans. So shout out to Jennifer Gonzalez. We were really excited to hear Kareem on there as well. Um, and so that's that's great. Um, you mentioned a little bit about COVID and how that impacted your school year uh, last year and how you're scrambling and trying to figure out how that's going to work and, you know, all of these terminology that's been thrown at us. Um and so for this year, since this is our really second year in the pandemic, how has the school year been for you? It's been good. It's hard. It's been it's been challenging. It's been very challenging. I think that um, you know, talking to all my my educator friends around the district, we were all very hopeful and excited about coming back in person, but the transition has been a hard one. Um 
you know, it's everyone is is stretched and um, trying to figure things out and trying to readjust uh, to these changes and to coming coming to terms with something that's new and different. It's not we're not going back to how we were. And um, so that can be unsettling. So it's there. There have been a lot of challenges. There's been a lot of excitement, though, in being back with the kids and seeing them, and you know, seeing them in the hallways and interacting with them. Um, so I'd say it's very mixed. We're we're all tired, happy to be back, but tired. Yeah, and I hear that. I mean, teachers are doing some incredible things this year, and just even the past two school years, really, right? With the COVID, with COVID happening in the pandemic. Um, so I, I think I say this every episode that I'm on is that I miss the kids so much. I miss my babies. I really feed off of their energy. So I'm sure it's really exciting. But then also it's very challenging because they haven't had quote unquote real school um, for the past like year and a half or two years. Right. And so the adjustment with like social emotional learning and like collaboration, like everything is just kind of awkward and weird right now. And so I appreciate you sharing that because I know that when I talk to other teachers as well, they're so overwhelmed, but they really just want to do their best for their kids. Um, and so that's that's really inspiring and amazing. And I hope that teachers are also taking that time to process and reflect and rest as well, because, you know, if we're not resting, we can't fully um, give our all to our students. And so exactly. speaking, yeah. And so speaking of this school year, um, in September of this specific school year, right, MCP had a spike of free course enrollments and we were, you know, excited about it. And then we saw that majority of the new users came from educators in Lynn, Massachusetts. So what was your role in that movement? And also thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> so um, as I was saying, back, you know, spring of 2020 is when we first encountered Modern Classroom. And that summer, we started digging in deeper. I took the the free course at that point and then made my wife take it. And then I started passing it on to everybody else um, that would listen. And we started cementing it into our heads about, you know, this whole concept of self-paced learning and math- mastery-based learning. And as we went into the fall, the superintendent began really feeling like we need to start taking some steps as a district to really be prepared if and when this ever happens again, that we, he felt like we were seeing the inequities in our district for our students, things that were not working historically. So, you know, the the pandemic didn't, it did create new things, new problems, but it really spotlighted a lot of things that were existing already for many of our students. And so the feeling was, how could we use this as an opportunity to try to figure out what our next steps would be, what the next evolution step would be for us? Um, And so back in the fall, uh, so a year ago right now, we began thinking of ways that we could explore um, and to start testing the waters. So we started recruiting a couple of different teams of teachers from across the district to try out different projects. We wanted to explore blended learning. And knowing that this was new to us, we didn't want to just be completely blind in this. We, you know, we wanted to inform ourselves. So we built in as part of the preparation to be on the team. Everybody on the team would go through the free course with modern classrooms. So we had a, something common to be talking about. And so we had a, an initial wave of people, uh, probably about 30 people in December a year ago, uh, start through the course. And then from there, we had a couple of different, we had five of us that decided we would like to go on for uh, the virtual mentorship. 
So we signed up for that. And at that point, um, I was dealing with, I was talking with Christine Barford about this to work out those arrangements. And she had said something at that point, like, oh, you know, we like to partner with different districts. Is that something you'd be interested in? Or like, well, you know, yeah, maybe, but we need to be small at this point. We're going to start with this. She's like, oh, that's completely fine. We'll see how it goes. And then as the spring was developing, uh, I was putting together the training that was going to take place. We wanted to train all of our teachers this school year in blended learning. And we knew that we wanted modern classrooms to be a part of that. And so we built in um, a series of synchronous and asynchronous modules. And for one of the modules, we built in working through the free course uh, so that everyone would have an opportunity to experience it. However, what we did before that was we ran a summer cohort for 300 people. These were building leaders, uh, principals, vice principals, department heads, and anyone else that principals wanted to identify to come across, come along for, you know, support as, as thought partners at their schools. And so we ran uh, blended learning essentials in the summer for 300 people. And then in September, when the school year began, the rest of the district began. So that's why you ended up seeing the big uptick in modern classrooms because it was built in as one of the modules for us. Uh, that That is really, really cool. And I really like that process that you just described. Um, so I had a follow-up question. You know, you said that you had a, the team of teachers or a team of people to take that free course with you. Um, and also you had a, a couple of people do the VMP with you as well, which is the mentorship program. How did you approach those team members? Was it optional, mandated? Uh, how did you how did you get them to sign, sign up or, and just buy in? So the initial teams that we had last December, uh, we invited people. Uh, we just reached out to people that we thought would be interested in this type of thing uh, and recruited people and said, we had an informational meeting. Said this is where we're thinking. This is our understanding of where blended learning is at and how we're understanding it. Uh, we know that we need to take some steps and we're, you know, we're, being very honest, we don't know exactly what we're doing, but we want some partners to help us out. We had very lofty dreams because we did not know what we did not know at that point. And we were hoping that we were going to come up with these fantastic products that we were going to be able to put into the hands of teachers. Um, but we were, fortunately, we were cautious enough to say, even if we don't get that far with it, we'll learn something from this and we'll we'll learn what we don't know so that we can better shape the type of training that we need to develop in the future. And so anyone who wanted to be a part of it was there. They, they joined, they, they got on board. Everyone was paid to take the, uh, the free course um, as part of the stipend that they received uh, in preparation for those teams. And then when we got to the point where we identified five people to take it in the summer, that was, we had, you know, two teachers at the elementary level um, who've since have become distinguished educators, uh, modern classroom educators, uh, Jessica Billy and Sarah Krasowski. They're the ones that brought the idea originally. Like, is this something we could do? I'm like, well, I don't know. Let's find out. Let's, let's see. Would the district support this? And the district said, yeah, let's get a couple of other people. So then we reached out since we had two elementary people already, we reached out to get some secondary people and yeah, it, everyone was, everyone was excited about it. I mean, that's, that, that is so great to hear. Like a lot of the things that you said are all 
pretty amazing, right? So with teachers, there was intrinsic and extrinsic motivators, right? So it's like, hey, you have a choice, um, but also here's a stipend. And I really do, I mean, the more, you know, the more time I spend with MCP and the more time I spend with educators, it really is important to kind of um, do a recruiting of your own, reaching out to those teachers, right? Specific teachers or specific people to just be like, hey, we think you'd be great at this. What are your thoughts? And I feel like this is something that Kareem and I talked about in the last episode was that teachers really need that validation, right? That um, recognition. Mm. And so when someone recognizes what they do, it's like, oh, yeah, I am good at that. So yeah, let me try it out. Um, And it is really exciting that you have two distinguished uh, modern classroom educators, and they're both in elementary school. I mean, we love elementary teachers. Um, Kudos to elementary teachers, because I could not do that. Um, And so that's really exciting to hear that in in your district, we have DMCEs, um, which is really cool. All right. So yeah, that was, that's a really great process. So you just kind of went over. And so it's a lot of choice. It's a lot of, um, you know, there's a stipend, there's conversations that are happening. And I feel like teachers really had that voice to be like, Hey, this is working for me. I want to see how we can expand this. So, so, so just to clarify a couple of quick things. So the stipend was for that first round, those teams that were going through, um, people over the summer, we have, um, other options for, for compensation, um, we have professional development points that can be applied for salary increments. So that was something that was offered to the people in the summer because they weren't getting paid necessarily. Uh, they were they were not getting paid. Um, some of the people were not getting paid. So they were receiving salary increments in the summer. In the fall, it was release time during the day. These were professional development days. So people got time during the day to, to work on this. Um, so that was the way they were compensated for their time. Um, in the fall. What has happened as a result of this is we have about 60 people who have since, who are right now, they're finishing up the fall cohort with the virtual mentorship. Um, so that's super exciting. And these are all people who, when they complete it, the district is going to award them a certain number of PDPs for salary income in also, which can be applied for, um, you know, a bump in their their pay. So that's, that's super exciting. We were shocked that we would have such a fantastic turnout for that first cohort. We th- I thought for sure people would be interested, but I thought, it, you know, maybe later in the year after they got their feet wet, but we had 60 people sign up to go through this right now. And that is incredible. And I think, right, that that speaks volume, right, of like, oh, your teachers feel feel valued. Um, and so if there's anybody out there who's trying to figure out how you can incentivize teachers or really just pay them for their time, and it doesn't even have to be money, right? Like, these are great options. So thank you, Michael, for sharing that and clarifying it. Okay, so let's shift to gears. Um, something that I learned about your school district is that the, there's a huge population of emergent bilinguals, multilinguals in your district. Um, and the reality is that, you know, we have students who are learning English and we've had a great amount of questions about how MCP is able to serve that population. So how does MCP help ease the pressure and challenges of teaching students who are learning English? And you said that you're also an EL teacher, which is really great. And we'd love to hear about how you've used MCP for that. Yeah. So our district is 36% multilinguals. So it is, it's a, it's a very large component. And when you look at the breakdown in grades at the K to two level, we're 65% multilinguals and grade one alone is more than 70%. So it's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, so we've got a couple of different pockets that we see are really big in terms of, um, 
as students are coming to us. Ninth grade is another place where we have um, a large number of English learners uh, who are coming to, you know, coming to the country for the first time and learning English for the very first time, but navigating school as, as older students. Uh, so we cross the board. Uh, we've got a lot of English learners. And I just had a meeting uh, about two weeks ago with a science team at one of our high schools. Um, the team, the entire team, uh, this, this part of the team anyway, um, is taking the virtual mentorship course together along with their department head. And so I got wind of this and I thought, let me go. Can I come and visit? Can I just talk to you guys and find out how things are going? So I met with them and I, I didn't realize it at first, but um, several of them are working with the cohorts that they've set up at the school to work with the earlier proficient students. Um, and they were just seeing such a great opportunity for the students, um, being able to record themselves and give access to the kids that the kids could have access to the teachers multiple times as needed with the built-in supports that come with it being, um, based on and technology has just been an amazing thing. Another piece that we'd been looking into over the summer was how to design some credit recovery options for older students and have it be something that is built around English learners, uh, multilingual learners who are at the earlier stages of English proficiency so that it's more meaningful for them. And so they really began tapping into some of the concepts of the self-paced and the uh, mastery learning as they were designing these new learning experiences for the students. The plan is that now that we're learning more and knowing more and understanding more to go back and revisit those modules that they had developed for the students and refine them over time. So there's a, a lot of opportunities for us um, to see how we can shape things to really meet the needs of our students. Michael, you said 36%, right? Yes. Yeah. That wow, that's that's incredible and it's 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 wild because I've never been to Massachusetts so I can't really say anything. I just would have never thought that there's a huge population there. Um but that's that's exciting. That's really cool. It's very exciting. We have got such a wealth of students in our school district. It's very exciting. Um the English Learner Education Department sits right in the same area as the Welcoming Center. So as the families come to the city for the first time to enroll in the district, um, you're just hearing all these different languages and, and seeing all these people. And it's just, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that so much. I mean, you and I, before we started recording, I was telling you I'm not a native English speaker. And so it's really cool to see emergent bilinguals or, you know, students who are learning English. English is so hard. It's one of the hardest languages to learn. So I, I love that MCP was able to create materials and modules and resources for students to be able to revisit and do the credit recovery and um, all of that jazz. I know that I, I had a huge population of um, merchant bilinguals, multilinguals in my classrooms as well. And the feedback constantly that, you know, the whole year that we implemented MCP was that, Ms. D, I really like this because I can repeat it. You know, over and over again, I could listen to it in a slower pace. I could pause. I could process. I could reflect. And they just like loved it because the pressure wasn't on them to perform right away in front of everyone. Right. So they could just take their time and really digest everything that I was throwing at them. And also with the video, you had visuals. 
you know, and sometimes, um, you know, teachers also put in notes in the ed puzzle and just say like, this word means this. So kind of like a vocabulary. Um, and there's just so many different ways to differentiate and really make sure that the, the resources are available to all of our students. Yeah, I'm very excited to see where things shape up in the district once we start getting into January and February. Once this current cohort of teachers have gone through the virtual mentorship and start implementing even more so, I, I, I think it's going to be outstanding the stuff that we're going to start seeing in the winter and spring. Yeah, I'm also excited, Michael. <laughs> so you'd have to keep me posted on how that all goes. Um, and so let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey there, listeners. It's Zach dropping in here to share a few updates with you. First of all, Tony Rose and I wanted to give you all a heads up that we're working on some pretty cool new plans for the podcast coming up in 2022. We'll have much more to share in our last episode of this year, which Tony Rose and I will be hosting together to talk about what's to come. But we just wanted to give you a little teaser and let you know that we're working on some plans to improve and grow the Modern Classrooms podcast. But since I've got you all, we also have a queue of love notes from Modern Classrooms teachers in our Facebook group. So for newer listeners, we used to include these little testimonials each week. And since folks have started reaching out to us and sending them in again, we thought we'd start including them again. So here's one from Hillary Stover, a fifth grade teacher in Michigan. My name is Hillary Stover, and I am a fifth grade teacher at Concord Academy in Petoskey, Michigan. The best part of my school year as a modern classrooms teacher has been the fact that my students are learning to take ownership of their learning and that the model frees me up to work with my students more one-on-one in small groups. I'm able to work with my students who struggle a lot more easily than I've been able to in the past, and my students who excel are able to move through the lessons and work at their own pace and not have to worry as much about where their peers are. The model has really helped to make me a better teacher and helped to make my classroom environment much more interesting for my students. If you'd like to send in an audio note for us to include in the podcast, I'm linking a Google form in the show notes along with some instructions for recording and you can submit from there. We'd love to hear from you. But now, let's get back into it with Michael and Tony Rose. Welcome back. Um, Let's, again, shift gears because, again, you have so many different roles in your district. Um, So as a teacher leader slash instructional coach, right, I'm a fan of instructional coaches because I was one. And there's really no way to define what an instructional coach is, right? Like people kind of use that. Um, and define it however they want. Uh, so how do you use Modern Classroom to develop professional learning opportunities for your teachers? So I'm really curious to know how you introduced it to your teachers. And we kind of talked about recruitment, um, but maybe we can talk a little bit more about it. So we were already evolving in our thinking um, in terms of what professional learning could look like, might look like for, for teachers, um, even before COVID hit and we were forced to really reconsider it, right? Um, I had said I was working out of the ELE department for a while. And one of my tasks there was to help facilitate the district-wide training in um, developing the academic language of our English learners and developing schools' capacities to provide that uh, powerful instruction at the school level um, for our students. 
And what we were finding was that we needed to shift away from the traditional, here's a workshop, come sit down. All right, you're done. Here are your PDPs. We had to shift from a traditional model to something that was more dynamic uh, just because the content that we were working with was stuff that needed to be revisited. It couldn't be just introduced by a presenter and then it was one and done. It had to be something that people could come back to, they could mull over. And so we began thinking of ways that we could start flipping the professional learning for our teachers. And then we were finding that we needed to have more flexibility if we wanted to really reach out to schools and get as many people as possible, we need to have more flexibility that it couldn't be tied to just one person delivering this. So we needed to duplicate the efforts. And then we need to be able to offer a level of flexibility in terms of when the synchronous times were coming. So we were already beginning to think of that. And then as we began learning about modern classroom and blended learning and, and what this model might look like for students, it helped us to begin thinking through, well, we could do a version of that with the adults too. And so as we were designing what that training was going to look like this past summer and into the school year, um, we really began to hold on to that model of here's some of the pieces that are going to be presentation. Here's a pre-recording or here's some videos that you're going to watch. These are some must-dos. Here are some articles to watch. Here's all the work that you're going to do in a, a sync, an asynchronous format. And then we're going to have some strategic conversations, some strategic opportunities to come together and dialogue about that and extend it and bounce ideas off of each other. And trying to build in lots of options for teachers. So if you want to work on a project alone, fantastic. If you want to work with a partner, fantastic. You want to work with a team, fantastic. But really trying to build in lots of options and choice in terms of how to do the work, when to do the work, what that would look like. Um, So that really began shaping how we were thinking through the design for how to roll this out for our teachers. What's exciting about that is it's got us thinking ahead. What other options are there? What are other ways that we can make things self-paced? What are other ways that we can give more options for teachers to create opportunities for people to go back and revisit and, and hover over some type of, you know, some concepts. So we're looking back on some of the training that we had already done with, um, through the English learner education department with this uh, focus on academic discourse and vocabulary development. So we're looking back on the old stuff that we have and we're trying to reimagine how can we put it out there and have it available so people can come back. You know, maybe there could be a, a grab and go type of PD where people come in and they, they get access to information and learning that's fits what they need right then and there. And then maybe there's a version of this that they can come and they can dwell with it for a while and, and stick with it and do something a little bit more with it. So it's really got us thinking how to reimagine what professional learning opportunities could look like for teachers. All right, Michael, I'm trying to process all of that because you just said so many great things. Um, I, I, something that stuck out to me was that when we were talking about emergent bilinguals and really like English language learners, right? Some of the things you said, um, then you're also saying for adult learners, for our teachers, right? Like teachers are able to revisit. Teachers have the options to do whatever it is that makes them successful in the learning that we're doing. And so, um, I'm a stickler with this, right? Like everything that you just stated, basically you're modeling how the, how the MCP model should look like. 
right? Um, and so the teachers are experiencing it and seeing how it works for them. Um, and so it, it, it shows that it could also work with students. Um, and so which is really, really great, because I know I always tell the teachers that I work with is that if you're going to give something to your student, right, like do it as well. So you know, the process of what's going to happen, what are the challenges, how long it's going to take all of that good stuff. And I also really like that you said, um, you know, during COVID, you were forced to really revamp how professional developing uh, development looks like for you. And so I became an instructional coach during COVID. So I taught for 10 years as a middle school teacher and English teacher. And I had, you know, multiple teacher leaderships, and but I was always teaching at least two to three classes and then doing like teacher leader stuff um, in the, those, the other times. And so when I decided to switch and become an, uh, an instructional coach during COVID, it was really difficult for me um, because I was supposed to model what the learning was going to look like. And this is a time where we're toying around with hybrid learning, remote learning, like these different things that I've never even had um, a lot of um, experience in. And so something that I notice is that with self-paced, like our teachers really love the self-paced structure because we respect their time, right? They don't have to sit there and listen to us talk the entire time. Um, and they become more active with their learning. And we just had such high praise with the modules that we were creating throughout that school year. And like you said, we were also really intentional, right? Like, okay, we're going to roll out hybrid learning. So let's figure out how this is going to look like before we roll it out. And then also during the rollout, we're there um, supporting our teachers and trying to figure out, you know, what are the best practices for this new thing? And it wasn't coming from me because I I have never done hybrid learning. So um, the other instructional coach and I would sit in other teachers' um, classrooms and observe and just be like, oh, this teacher was doing this and this teacher was doing that. And then we shared that information with the rest of the team um, and the rest of the teachers. And that really worked well with us, right? And just being super honest, like you said before, when you were recruiting your team of like, we don't know what we don't know. Um, we don't know how this is going to look like, but we know that we can work together and figure that out. Um, and so I love what you said about flexibility. You're right. Like you're able to reach so many more educators in different districts to be able to complete the modules or the training or whatever it may be. Um, and just the fact that like teachers have the options now, right? We're not, we're no longer being forced to sit all together, learn the exact way, learn the same thing the exact way. Um, and these are all like strategies that, that teachers could implement in their classroom as well. So if it's something that they've never done before or they've never seen it in action, they could be like, Oh, this is how it looks like. And this is how it feels as a learner, which is. Great. So thanks, Michael. <laughs> so one of the images that we kept communicating at, uh, to all the teams and when we did the training over the summer is um, that whole idea of, yeah, we're building a plane while we're flying it, mm -hmm. but we're also building the airport on either end because, uh, you know, this is just completely new for everybody. Yeah, it, that is, that's so terrifying to me. <laughs> But it's like, it's understandable, right? Like that is what we're doing. And it is terrifying because we don't know what we're doing. It's just that we got to keep moving forward. But you know what? It's also, it's exciting. It's really exciting. And this is, it, it's funny to watch people, how different people respond to this type of thing. Um, it's scary for everybody. But then for some people, they start, a, a, a spark gets lit. 
And, um, you know, this is who I think these, you know, these 60 people that said, yes, I'm, I'm ready to sign up right now. I've heard enough. Let me, let me get going with this. Um, you know, there's a spark that's there. And what's exciting for us is we've got so many people that are coming through the ranks at this point that we can begin turning a spotlight onto them to show other people in Lynn and say, look, these, this isn't somebody else. This is us. These are our own people who are doing these things. And, trying out this innovative process with, with our own students. Let's, you know, take a look at this great practice that's going on here. And if they can do it, well, then I can do it. I can do something with this too. I can learn from my own people. So we're very excited about that piece of it. And I, I like how you put it like that, right? Like, cause I've seen so many videos, right? Like there was one instance where my assistant principal at one school um, was telling me that I need to differentiate. And I was like, okay, well, can you, show me how to differentiate in this, you know, in this, in this, um, environment. Um, and I was sent like three videos that had nothing to do with like what I needed. And so I was like, Oh, well, I kind of wanted to see how it is in this school district. And so it is powerful to be like, no, our own people are doing this. Go check them out. And I think sometimes teachers, you know, like I know for me, I'm like, oh, when I see something, I'm like, oh, that's not going to work because of A, B, C, D, right? Like there's a lot of hesitation. Um, but then when I see like a colleague of mine who's close by or I can just pop in their classroom, I'm like, oh, that actually does work. Like that makes a lot of sense. Um and and thank you for the reminder, Michael. It is exciting. You're right. It is terrifying and it is exciting and ex- exhilarating. I've talked to so many teachers already talk about how this model has made them feel more relevant, has made them like feel more alive and more um, motivated to continue teaching. I mean, you've been in education for over 20 years, right? Like, and and I feel like our teachers that I've talked to have just been like, this model has just put life back into what I'm doing. And that's really exciting. I was having a conversation with a friend uh, who teaches at the high school level uh, a couple weeks back. And one of the things that she's so excited about with the model is just how flexible it mm-hmm. is that, you know, there's a framework, but there's a lot of flexibility there. And so it can fit. You can make it fit whatever you need it to. So there's, I think there's a breath of fresh air there too, that people are recognizing. um, Here's something I can work with. It doesn't have to be plug and play. It doesn't have to be rigid and prescribed, but there's some room to play with it and customize it. Yeah. And, and again, thank you for that because I know our listeners are probably so sick and tired of me saying there's no (laughs) wrong way to do modern classroom. It is literally what you think is amazing for you, what you think is going to work for you and your students. And you can have so much fun with it. I definitely had a blast, um, implementing modern classroom just because I was able to really focus on my students, um, and not necessarily behavior. So that was really nice for me. Um, yay. So I hear great things about what you've created for teachers so far, right? So we talked about the self-pacing structure and the modules and the options that you've provided your teachers. Um, tell us more about how you uh, created your modules. Like what LMS do you use? Um, or rather, like share with us an example of um, a module that you created. So with Blended Learning Essentials, uh, what we did was we mapped out a series of modules uh, and we designated that some would be asynchronous, that would be preparation work for the synchronous times. And so it ran from, you know, module one 
was an opportunity to explore why are we talking about blended learning? Why are we talking about this? And for us in Lynn, we were putting it in a bigger context. That it wasn't blended learning for the sake of doing blended learning. We needed to figure out a way that we were going to accelerate learning for our students. And we wanted to be very clear that acceleration does not mean teaching faster. Acceleration does not mean skipping things. Acceleration means meeting kids where they are and putting into place those systems and the supports that need to be there so that we can bring the kids forward and get some forward motion going. Um, so we wanted to give people an opportunity to think through why acceleration rather than remediation. You know, when we're in a new situation, and a lot of times we revert back to what we already know. We already know about remediation and the lessons that we've learned over the years, you know, from Katrina, Hurricane Katrina, is that remediation by itself, that doesn't work. And so we needed to get that message out. So that was what the first module was, was to, you know, dip our toe in the water to get a sense of what is acceleration? Why are we doing this? And so there was a video that was created uh, that I used PowerPoint to create a video that was based on a presentation that I had done for the school committee so they could get a sense of where we were going and who was helping us, who was informing us. And so we tapped into the modern classroom and talked about their your influence on our thinking. So that was the first module. And then the very second module was an asynchronous time to come together and have a series of conversations built on this so people could talk about what are the pros and cons? What are the fears that we have? What why is acceleration different? How is it different than remediation? And then begin thinking about what do I need to have in place um, to help me as a teacher or me as a school leader, as a principal, to move the move my students forward with this? What are those other streams that are also contributing to acceleration? So blended learning and doing self-paced mastery-based learning, that's one piece of this, but there are other pieces. And we all have to ask ourselves the question, what role do I play in bringing kids forward towards acceleration? So that's where it started with the first two. And then module three was an introduction to the modern classroom and talking about, you know, just here's some, some information about it. Here's a link please sign up, take it. And then we put in there some additional resources. We had some must-dos, which were, you know, different blog articles or other videos or other supports that would get people to really think through and start making connections to their own practice. You know, what are the promises of mastery-based, self-paced learning? How could that impact your students? How could that impact you? What, what are some things that resonate with you? And then moving into module four, started looking at the whole idea of um, if we're going to do this, then we need to be talking about how as teachers, we need to not only know our standards, but we have to know our students as well. And so that's began looking at how do we operate with an assets-based mindset with our students? What does that look like? What does that mean? What does it mean to make sure that we know our students and we can develop lessons that are relevant to them, that are building on their strengths and what they're bringing to the picture? But at the same time, we have to know our standards and have to be very, um, very deep in understanding the standards and the whole backward design process um, so that we can make the decisions that we need to make. So that's what that module was about. And then from there, it moved into uh, module five, began looking at um, doing a screencast, knowing that some of the technology pieces were going to be big barriers, scary pieces for some teachers. Um, 
the whole idea of recording myself and what that's what's involved with that could be a scary thing. And as teachers, a lot of times we want things to be perfect. I know I want things to be perfect. I really want it to look really great. And I think that sometimes perfection can be the enemy of progress. And so we wanted to get the message out there. Just try it. Here's some, here's a million different resources. You could do it with PowerPoint. You could do it with Zoom. You could do it. There's a whole bunch of different ways. All these different resources. Just try it. Break the ice. And then when we came back together for uh, the next synchronous meeting, we had videos, video interviews of different teachers in Lynn that we were highlighting. We had pe- people go into breakout rooms and watch the videos together and pull out some of the themes, some of the struggles, the pros and cons that these different teachers were facing um, as they were creating their own videos, um, that they had stumbled on this as a, as a method of reaching their students during remote learning. And so the whole core, the whole evolution of these modules was to really bring people through the process of why are we doing this? What are the, how do we build out what we already know? But then how do we stretch ourselves to build in some new pieces as well? Um, and it, it, you know, it was, it's been fun. It's been fun. It, it's been interesting. It's been um, exciting to see what people have been experimenting with. The district right now is, um, is in the process of finishing up these modules. Um, you know, the, the, we, we've said that this is the year, the fall is the year for exploring. Winter and spring is going to be the time to um, experiment. And then next year, we're really going to take that next step in terms of implementation. How do we pull this together um, to take that next step next year? So, Michael, basically, when I'm ready to go back in the classroom, I'm going to work with you, okay? (laughs) Okay, come on over. (laughs) I mean, this is incredible, this work and how you rolled it out and how you chunked it so that the teachers really know what to do, right? And they have the support system and they have also, you know, the ability to give each other feedback. Um, something that I really enjoyed you saying and a, a huge takeaway for me is that you're giving space to validate how teachers are feeling and also giving that space and time to reflect on their teaching practices because I feel like reflection is like the first thing to go, right? We never have time for it. We don't make time for it. You just go, 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 go with our teacher's schedule. And so I really like that the modules that you've created are just like, hey, here's a new thing that you can try. Here's why we're doing it, because I feel like the why is really important for people to really buy in. Um, But it's also just like, let's reflect on what awesome things you're already doing. And then how could we then implement some of these things you're, you're learning about? And also, why do you think this is important? And how is it going to impact your, your um, student outcomes and student learning, right? And I also really like the fact that you said you want to know your standards, right? That's fine and dandy. That's what teaching is about. We have our standards and our objectives, but more importantly, we need to know our students. And so this model allows us to create those relationships with students, to be able to check in with them and like give them all the access to resources and to us as well as teachers. And so this is, this is awesome work, Michael. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, it's incredible. It's definitely a wild ride, but we're loving it. Yeah. And I'm feeding off of your energy and I'm getting so excited about it. Like if, you know, again, like if I were to be in the classroom, this is a kind of PD that I would really enjoy and appreciate. And I would feel really valued because it's not just you telling me what to do. And then there are no steps 
into how we can be successful together. And the timeline, like you said, right, the fall, we're like experimenting, we're, we're, in, you're, we're being introduced to something new, we're experimenting, and then next year is when we're really going to dive into like implementing it all, which I think is a great timeline. It's not, you know, it's not one of those things where here's something that you need to do right now and be good at it, right? And so I really, really appreciate what you're doing for the teachers in Lynn, Massachusetts. So kudos to you. Um, this is all great stuff. And so what do you hope to see in the future and what goals do you have? I am excited to see where things start up in January and February. Like I said, when that first cohort comes to a close and the next cohort begins, I think we're going to get some good traction and good excitement going on. Um, we have, we've been talking with Kareem. He's going to actually come to Lynn to do an in-person meeting in the end of January. And so we're very excited about that. And what we're looking forward to is hosting a series of online, you know, optional times for teachers in Lynn to, to hop onto a Zoom. We're working with Modern Classroom to identify, you know, some trailblazers in other districts around the country who can speak to specific topics that we have questions about. You know, we have questions around what does this look like for for our younger students? We have a lot of questions about how are other people using this with multilingual learners? And then questions around how do we do this in a way that's not just technology? It doesn't have to be just technology. So what are some other ideas? You know, stretch our thinking with that. So we've got planned a series of these opportunities for people to come in and hear about what's happening in other places and ask questions about that. So that's something I'm excited about. But then I, uh, you know, going back to that whole idea of spotlighting our own practitioners, that I can't wait for. I'm, I'm, you know, begun meeting with different people and we're trying to build up our infrastructure in the district to be able to do things like, like this podcast. So I'm going to ask you questions at some point about the podcast because I think teachers would love to hear from other teachers in Lynn about that or to read articles or, or to, to watch videos or blogs or whatever it is to see opportunities, see pictures and videos of what's going on um, and make them available for our, for our own teachers to see each other. So that's a lot of what I'm excited about um, and hoping to see. Yeah. And I mean, it's so much to look forward to, Michael. This is so great. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for your teachers. I'm excited for your school district. You're going to love Kareem. Kareem is just such a great, like, he just so much is full of energy, really. So um, I'm excited about that. And I'm excited that you're having, you know, your teachers have the ability to have these Zoom meetings with MCP mentors, implementers, um, just to kind of talk about how it's going to look like, um, or, re- or really just ask any clarifying questions. Um, and so we're excited. We're excited about all of that. Michael. And I, again, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for jumping in this podcast with me. I now have my energy is just so high right now. And so it's a great way for me to start my day. Um, And I appreciate you and I appreciate everything that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you very much. We'll see you all next week for the next episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org 
And you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj. That's P-R-O-J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students in schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Podcast.